When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast brought to you by DraftKings. Here's the deal. $5 on any fighter this week. The UFC 273 card, $100 in free play bets. Win or lose, guaranteed. All right. With the Don, William Brad Alice. I'm merely Mike Luke. Hello, William. Hello, Michael. Yeah. Let's get to it. Uh, we got some uh, We got some football to get to first. Spring game tomorrow. Um. I'm going to be honest with you. This is the first time in quite a while when I've actually been somewhat enthused by the U of A basketball or excuse me, U of A football <laughs> spring proposition, mainly because you've got some real talent that's coming in this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm trying to temper my enthusiasm because the spring game is a lot right. like the red blue game. Correct. I mean, if a guy goes crazy, it doesn't mean much. The most important thing about this weekend, honestly, is the 20 or 30 kids who are going to be watching as recruits. Um, it's a nice cap to spring ball. Spring ball, very important. Uh, you get guys a lot of reps. You get to kind of start to create the separation. You know, every once in a while in the spring game, we've seen a kid, you know, show that he's a gamer. I think maybe Khalil Tate's a good example. He had a pretty good spring game. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of put him back on or on the radar. Um, I think what it does more than anything, I think it shows you who can't play. Correct. Um, a couple years ago, and I don't want to drag the kid through the mud. There was a quarterback. The big knock on him was he was a slow decision maker. He took five dropbacks, and on three of them, he was slow with his decisions. Right. Um, you know, so if Joe Jonah Coleman looks great, cool. If he doesn't look great, it doesn't mean Jonah Coleman's not going to be a good player. Uh, thanks, Gary Lewis, for the suggestion. You know, if, if T-Mac only has two catches for 12 yards, it doesn't mean he's a bust. Just like if some walk-on against the third-string defense, 
has 80 yards on four catches doesn't mean he's going to be a star, but it's fun to get out, to go out. You know, I've seen some people critical this, you know, why is it a spectacle? Why have Brewski? Why have Adia? Why have Lance Briggs? Why? Because that's what spring games are for. It's right. a celebration of the end. It is for optics. It is to sell season tickets. It's to sell the program to those, you know, again, 30 or 40, or I don't even know how many kids are coming. Seems like my Twitter feed, all it is is people retweeting. Right. I'm going to be in Tucson. That's what it's for. Do I want to see how the offensive line plays? Yes. Do I want to see how much bigger the Harris brothers looked in the end of the season? Yeah. Do I want to see Jonah Coleman, who may be my spirit animal? Yes. But at the same time, again, if Coleman rushes two times for three yards, then they I'm not going to be disappointed. Um, if he breaks off a big run, then, yeah, I might go get that jersey a little bit quicker. Last year, Brad, the one thing that always kind of stuck out to me was just the lack of – dynamic ability at the skill position players. Now, again, I'm not saying, and I think a, there's a lot of blame to go around. Quite frankly, Gunner Cruz, not good enough. Will Plummer, a little bit better, but still not good enough. The wide receiver position is going to be fascinating this year, and we're going to go We're going to go back to quarterback in a second. But you bring in a guy, Jacob Cowing, who you catch for 1,400 yards at UTEP. Granted, it's not Power 5, but and you could have offers to every school in the country. Cowing can obviously play. Uh, when you got to Tora McMillan, five-star wide receiver, these are guy. This is a guy that could have gone anywhere he wants. I think the influx of talent at the receiver position is going to be something to really keep an eye on. Yeah, and I want to see how some of the guys who did play last year look now, or didn't play last year, like Mijan Wright. Mm -hmm. um, is he as good as we maybe thought he could be? Or uh, you know, I'm trying to think of the kid's name, but the, the kid who was the walk-on last year who got the scholarship. Um, how do some of the guys who had a Dorian Singer, Dorian Singer, how do some of the guys who played limited roles look? Of course, I want to see T-Mac. Of course, I want to see, you know, Cowling. But I want to see these other guys, too, because I think that's going to be the key uh, to this position is Cowling and T-Mac. For the first time, you have a chance to have two guys who can be a number one receiver. Right. I'm not sure this program's had a number one receiver since Jerron Kreiner. Jerron Kreiner? Uh, you know, even yeah. last year, as good as... Uh, you know, Barry Hill was Barry Hill's a number two receiver on a very good football team. I mean, right. I don't mean no disrespect and a number two receiver can play in the NFL. So I'm not saying he's not good, but at SC he'd be playing behind Drake London, you know, right. uh, now you have two guys who can legitimately compete at least in theory for that number two, one and two role. So now I want to see is Majan Wright your three is Dorian Singer, your three, you know, what's Damari's long-term prognosis when, when, when healthy? Because um, suddenly you've got five, six, you know, uh, you look at the, the the other big receivers coming in. You look at some you got a kid like a Kevin Green who's been there, who's played well, who's an ex-USC decommit. Yeah, so suddenly, if, if you know, let, let's be honest, if Kevin Green's your number three, Majan Wright's your four, Dorian Singer's your five, that's a good wide receiver room. When Dorian Singer was, for parts of last year, your number one, that's when you have a problem. Uh, so, yeah, this is the deepest the receiver room, while also being top-heavy, has been since probably the Stoops era. All right, let's talk now a little bit of Jaden Delora. This is – Jaden Delora was the guy to me when I really figured out, and again, it's not, not that we didn't know that it's like, man, Jed Fish is a little bit different here as a recruiter because this is a kid that – He's not unproven. I mean, he was the Pac-12 freshman of the year two years ago. He's obviously he's put up big numbers. Um, he could have gone to a lot of different places. And the fact that he hit the portal 
and Arizona, which didn't have a good offense last year, and he signed on pretty quickly. That really showed me that you had something a little bit different going on with uh, Jed Fish and this coaching staff. Yeah, you know, I think what you look at is, but he also saw an opportunity. And let's be honest, even though the quarterback history at Washington State blows Arizona out of the water, where would you rather be the number one quarterback, Tucson, Arizona, or Pullman, Washington? And I think something you can't discount, and these numbers may be different now. I know when Anu Solomon was the starting quarterback, Arizona had more Polynesian starting quarterbacks than any school in the nation including Hawaii. There is actually a tradition here uh, of Polynesian quarterbacks, you know, that goes back to uh, George Malaulu under under right. Tomi and through, you know, Bryson Burney and, and, and who, and uh, Willie Tuitama and Anu Solomon and uh, a few other guys down the line. But Delara saw a situation where frankly, the other guys just weren't good enough. And, and again, I liked McLeod last year, but Delara is an upgrade. You know, right. I actually still can't figure out why Gunnar Cruz fell off the map as quick as he did, but that's not my job. He did. And, but now you suddenly got a quarterback room with three pretty good guys. And if Delora can repeat what he did last year and improve upon it, Arizona can have a pretty good offense. Yeah. And I look at it too. I, and let's talk a little bit about Jonah Coleman. Last year at the running back spot, I thought they were, you know, Drake Anderson's okay. Michael Wiley's okay. I mean, they're power five players. Um, the only guy that I ever really looked at and I said maybe there's a little bit something more there was a guy that didn't play a lot. Jalen John interested me a little bit there when I saw him. But now Jonah Coleman is just kind of like Jaden Delora and that he's walking into a position right there where I think he's got a real chance to be able to get some carries and get some carries early. Yeah, I think when you mix Coleman with – uh, the guys who came back, and I think you you excluded Stevie Rocker there right. as well. I who, apologize. Who may have the of the returners may have the top highest ceiling. Whether he gets there or not, I don't know. And I like Jalen John. I thought he was underutilized. Right. But again, you have this kind of room by committee. But Coleman's intriguing because not only is he uh, you know a fast little kind of scat bat, but he's built like a fullback. And again, right. <laughs> excuse me. The fact that people are like worried about his height, height has nothing. Who cares? He could be four foot ten. And if he can do what you need him to do, running back is that one spot. Who really matter? It doesn't really matter. No, and durability is not based on height, it's based on build. And he's built like a Warwick Dunn, who at five seven played in the NFL for a decade. Um, I mean, the kid is again, why I say he's my spirit animal, it's because he's built like I wish I was when I played ball. Um, cause we're about, oh, Brad, to, don't minimize yourself. We're probably about the same height. And, uh, you know, unfortunately I, I weigh more than him, but not in a good way, but yeah, I'm really excited to see what he can do. And again, as part of the, um, short man, uh, hall of fame committee selection committee, uh, I'm ready to put him on the short running back, uh, Mount Rushmore at Arizona, along with guys like Antoine Carter, David Adams, and mm-hmm. our, our boy, JJ Taylor. Well, let's also not forget, we're going to get to this in just a second, a relative Rayshon Speedy Luke. Many people think that we're related. To my knowledge, we are not related. But I'm going to keep you related to him like I assume Juju Smith-Schuster is related to John Schuster. There's got to, in some way, there's some, you know, there's, I'm, I'm just looking at it. There's just no way that Juju Smith-Schuster isn't somehow related to John Schuster. But, I, think I think he's his great-grandson. Brad, have I, I ever told you, have I, I ever told you? you're into the Chiefs. <laughs> for sure right that's that was it you know that was a sneaky good signing right there all things considered by the way oh um, i think you know we're gonna miss our boy uh tyreek uh have fun in miami but i think at the end of the day 
the wide receiver room might be a little bit better in uh, Kansas City when it's all said and done. Top to bottom, not at the right. top. Brad, have I told you about the DraftKings Sportsbook app, code word PHNX? No, I need to hear this. Okay. So, right now, big UFC fights coming up this week. I'm not a UFC guy. I'm a boxing guy, but boxing really doesn't matter anymore, so whatever. But if you are a UFC guy or if you even want to make money, get on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, put down $5 on the fights this week, and get a load of this. Either way, you get $100 in free plays. New customers only, 21 and up, Arizona only, gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Okay, William. Now, back to uh, back to Arizona football. Jimino made an interesting point. As, as he, he does. Occasionally. But Jimino made an interesting point where he said, you know, it's, it's really awesome to see, you know, how well uh, Arizona's recruiting right now. Great. He said, but where you're really going to start getting people's attention is when you start getting some of those linemen. He said, because those are the ones that are really, really difficult to come across. Will, is, will Arizona be able to get those types because it's been a long time? You know, I think they have to do better. And obviously, I think, you know, we've seen, I think the crazy thing about linemen is you can find diamonds in the rough there, I think more so than any position with maybe the exception of wide receiver. Um, but you have to start getting some higher profile guys. And you have to, frankly, be able to go to the portal and get some of these guys. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of times you can find a guy who's 260 in high school as long as he has the right frame. And uh, But you never know. It's such a crapshoot. I think those, they, along with quarterback. I mean, obviously people are like, why are all these five-star quarterbacks not good? And why can't people evaluate in the NFL? It's the hardest position because it's the most important. But offensive line and, and frankly, defensive line is right there as well. Because, you know, look at – Frankly, look at Stoops' era and the beginning of the Rich Rod era. How many four-star linemen did they bring in and how many of them were good? And they all flopped. And, and for different Everyone reasons. Everyone was Keenan Walker. Or, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, you know, who who was the kid who who had the concussion issues and got hit in the head by Zendejas in the back of the head? Um, you had some of that, too. You had blood clots and you had things like that. But there was a curse of the four-star. And then you bring in, you know, as good as Evan Britton was. He might be mm -hmm. the exception. Um, but look at, look at some of the best Stoops guys who played in the NFL and they were just, you know, uh, I, I will give credit to some of that staff, but both Eric Wolford and then, uh, uh the guy who came after him, who's still at Oklahoma, they, they knew how to evaluate linemen and mm -hmm. you knew they just looked for mean, tough kids and they were able to find them. And, and that's what this staff has to do because right. yes, you're going to be able to find some four stars. I think you can attract them, but you also have to be able to go and go to, you know, Maricopa High School and and find a kid who's you know 250 but you know has never eaten a lot of protein or right. you know that kid who grew three inches uh sophomore year and suddenly he's 6'5, 280 when he was you know six one. Um, you know, maybe it's the second lineman at Chandler, not the first line. So you have to be able to find those guys, but at the same time, yeah, you've got to go and you gotta pluck a few guys away from Oregon or or Washington or, or USC. You've got to be able to go in and and, and find those transfers and compete with these big schools for them. Uh, but at the same time, you got to develop, you got to develop in house. You got to hope that your evaluators are able to find those diamonds in the rough because frankly, 
especially on the lines where size is a premium, you got to be able to find those kids. Yeah. And you know, that's where, that's where it's really going to be the difference. Now I always use this example too, like with Oregon football in that Oregon was awesome during that reign with Chip Kelly. And again, I know they almost won a championship and uh, Sean Seeley to answer your question. Yeah. It's going to be on PAC 12 network. Um, I think he wants to know about the time, and yeah, it's uh, it's slotted in on to Pac-12 Network coverage as well. By the way, real quick, speaking of the Pac-12, I like George Kaliakoff's early moves, by the way. He's cutting some of the fat right here. I think you realize what a moron Larry Scott was, and uh, they're saving a lot of money right now. I have no clue how it's going to turn out, but I think George Kaliakoff off topic gets it in a way that Larry Scott didn't, William. Who knew that the guy who uh, worked in casinos and in Vegas would trim the fat and the guy who worked for the Women's Tennis Association would would uh, would, uh, would put on, on the, the teat of the Pac-12 <laughs> presidents? Very, very well put. Okay. But I've always thought, though, William, with or like Oregon football is a great example for me. They were a top five, eight program for about a six year window under Chip Kelly. The problem, though, that I still thought with Oregon and the only problem that or the only program that has always been able to marry the talent on the line and the skills is USC and its talent. Oregon was still always small across the offensive and defensive line. I know that they had your Armsteads and your DeForest Buckners, but there would still be a 260 pound tackle in there. And you just never really felt that they had the girth in there. And that's something I think that when you see it, you know it. And that's what Jamino, I think, was making. You know, when you really start seeing a real difference on the defensive and offensive line, that's when you know you're really headed towards something. Yeah, you know, you have to, you know, frankly, you have to have athletic 320-pound tackles. You mm -hmm. have to have that 300-pound nose tackle who can, you know, do one and two gap technique, but yet still run in the open field. Uh, you have to, you know, if you do have a 270 pound tackle, the other guy's got to be 310. Right. Um, you can't line up Parker Zellers and, an, uh, you know, a converted defensive end. It just doesn't work anymore. Uh, this right. game has gotten bigger. And, and frankly, that I think was if you're going to have the biggest knock on the field on the Rich Rod era, it was his unwillingness to stockpile linemen. Uh, he would stockpile five, eight receivers. Right. But he just thought he could out X and O you. And that's why you had, again, Parker Zellers, no disrespect, but you, you can't have a 240 pound walk on defensive lineman start for multiple years. Right. You can't have walk ons up and down the line. To me, my philosophy in sports is you can never have too many arms in baseball. You can never have too many bigs in basketball. Loot, you should have recruited Harry is. And uh, you cannot have too many uh, linemen in, in football. Uh, remember the Giants teams under Parcells. What they do every year? Just draft uh, linemen. Leonard Marshall. We're picking you every single linemen. year. Uh, same thing in Arizona. You, when you have that twenty-fifth scholarship, go get me a, a two hundred ninety-pound kid. I don't even care if he's that good. You know, I always see all oh, people like, oh, why are they recruiting the Tucson kid? Well, yeah, you know what? Take a chance on a two hundred ninety-pound Tucson kid who wants to come and work. Take a chance on a two hundred ninety-pound. Uh, you know, Phoenix kid who wants to work or, right. or, or, or Las Cruces, New Mexico. Uh, Cause you can always go find a five, eight receiver to walk on. You can't find a 300 quality, 300 pound offensive lineman to walk on, except Jed fish did three times this summer um, or at least twice. You know, the one kid who the Missouri kid via New Mexico is walking on. Mm -hmm. I think the uh, isn't Borjan walking on initially. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, again, people like, oh, I don't know about Borjan wasn't, the guy's 6'8", 320. 
Right. Yeah, you you take a chance on if him. If you miss, you miss big is what William is saying. Yeah, you know, as good as, you know, uh, Nate Phillips was, as good as Samaji Grant was, he There's also limitations wasted, to it. He also wasted scholarships on JT Washington and TJ something else. And right. Uh, yeah. If you're going to, if you, again, if you're going to set aside a couple of scholarships to take flyers on kids, I'd much rather it be again. Yeah. The six, eight uh, tight end who you can convert to tackle. Great. Sign that kid. Um, that's what you do at the bottom of your class. And, and if those kids flail out, Oh, well, um, I'd rather do that than again take another five eight receiver, uh, you know, five eight corner because I can always go find those guys. I can't always find quality linemen, even if those quality linemen are projects. You know what you can't always find though is the DraftKings Sportsbook app in a way that it in a, a sportsbook app that is as easily accessible. All right. Now you might be saying, Mike, basketball season's over. What can I bet on? All right, here's your answer. UFC tonight. All right, KB Field knows this stuff, and he's saying Peter Yawn and Voke are good bets. I have no clue who these people are, but you know what? KB knows what he's talking about right there. Get on there, put down $5 on the fights, and here's the kicker. You don't even need to win, and you still get $100 in free plays if you're a new customer only. William, it doesn't get much better than that, does it? No. You know, you know what gets better than that? You can mm. bet on wrestling, and I don't mean college wrestling. You can, I saw it. They Did you? DraftKings, no, I didn't. But DraftKings was sponsoring uh, AEW, which is a, a little bit of an embarrassing, uh, guilty pleasure of mine. But they were sponsoring the pay per view, and I know they were also t- uh, doing uh, prop bets on on WrestleMania over the weekend. Um, so if you really want to take advantage of those free plays after you win the UFC, go bet a little wrestling. You can call me or Shu, and we'll, we'll fill you in. All right, now let's talk a little bit of U of A basketball right here. All right, KB Thiel agreeing with the great William Brad Alice. They also get hurt often, but they're not a dime a dozen. Great points right there. All right, the big question I think that people had about Tommy Lloyd, it probably has nothing to do with coaching at this point. I think that um, I think it's more than fair that you we can see that Tommy Lloyd can coach. It was, what kind of recruiter is he? Well, again, you're looking at 2023 and a kid that we already had on this week, KJ Lewis, and another guy, Kylan Boswell. That's your starting backcourt for the future. And oh yeah, by the way, William, these are both two McDonald's All-American kids. So even though I think people are a little bit, are are questioning why he doesn't offer more kids, Tommy Lloyd knows what he's doing in this regard. You know, and I'm not 100% because I'd like to see, and again, he's in a tough situation because he doesn't know what his roster is going to be like. I'm a little concerned with the lack right now of 2022 recruits, mm-hmm. but you may only need two if right. you know everyone stays. So that's why it's so tough. But um, you know, I know a lot of people were upset that he didn't get Ty Ty. Well, Ty Ty didn't do much. I mean, he was good. He's going to go get drafted. Or but were you who really going to win a lot with Ty Ty? I don't know who who's the kid at Creighton that everyone was Arthur Kaluma. Arthur Kaluma, yeah, he's a nice player. He wouldn't have started on this team. Correct. He 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 would have been the fourth big. Um, you know, I know people wanted Proctor. Uh, Duke's got some recruiting momentum, and that's going to be an interesting situation because I'm not sold. I'm not sold on a kid I called in recruiting back in the day. <laughs> it's going right. to be a a winning coach at Duke as a third. Don Shire, tell the story. I Arizona recruited Shire. Here's a crazy story. Shire's from Chicago. Arizona's playing in the 2000. What is it? Five. Elite Eight in Chicago. 
Shire was in Tucson, not visiting Arizona, taking a vacation. And I'm trying to call the kid from uh, the arena. Wow. I never did get a hold of him, but we knew he was going to Duke. But you got you got to do that for content. But uh, yeah, he and he's not the only. There's a few other guys I called in recruiting who are now coaches. Most of them are like NBA assistants. But it makes me feel really old. Yeah. Well, no, it also should make you feel very important there, William. Now, let me ask you this. Um, I think Tommy Lloyd is going to, as far as the transfer portal right now, the transfer portal's obviously changed things. John Schuster despises the transfer portal. He thinks it's going to uh, destroy uh, college athletics. I am more, I'm okay with the transfer portal, but this is going to be a year where I think at the Houston, and the Houston game showed this to me a little bit that I think Arizona needs to get more athletic at those guard positions and that it just felt Kirk Kreitza good, can do a lot of good stuff, Kyer, but it just felt like Houston's guards could get everywhere on the court that Arizona's guards couldn't necessarily. I'd like to see them address that in the portal. Where would you go with there, William? Well, can I first tell you my, my pet peeve is everyone's saying the, the transfer portals, the death of God. It's not the transfer portal itself. It's the free transfer rule. Mm -hmm. The portal existed for like three or four years now. But right. until COVID, you couldn't do a free transfer. You had to be a grad transfer. Right. So let's not blame the portal. Let's play change the 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 change in rules and say you get one free transfer. But somehow it seems like kids have eight or nine. Right. Um. Yeah. I think I think if you're using the first, you have to figure out what do you need. Uh. You know, if you lose Coloco, suddenly you probably need two bigs. Um. If you lose Terry and Matherin, and I guess assume they're losing Matherin, no matter what his Instagram says, but. Uh, but Terry's the guy you you need back. But then you have to go get probably a couple wings. Um, so I think a lot of it. But what I would like to see them do is go get some 22, 23-year-old grown men who are athletic and strong. Because that's what Houston was. You know, Dallin Terry is far more athletic than I think almost anyone Houston has. But those guys are two years older and have been in the weight room. And we all know there's a difference in strength when you're 22, 23 and when you're 19. Right. Um, you know, and you even saw that with Kyer. Kyer just looked physically stronger than most of the Wildcats. Kim Aiken would have been that guy. And I think that's what you also need. You need kind of that grinder big. Um, you know, we know Balo can hold his own. We know, you know, if Coloco comes back another year in the weight room, he'll be fine. But I still think you need that, not necessarily offensively, but defensively, a Michael Wright, Ben Davis, 6'8", 250, 260, who can just put a shoulder into people, who can, when he boxes out, 19-year-old kids aren't getting around him. Is um, Ballo good? I'm, I'm glad you brought up Ben Davis because I've asked this a lot. Is Ballo good enough to be a Ben Davis in two or three years? I don't know if he'll ever be that athletically skilled. Davis is really skilled, but he's four inches, five inches taller. You're right. Probably just as strong. Can now. he have so, that kind of impact? Yeah, I think he could. Work. I think he can. Oh. Yeah. Ben Davis is one of the most underrated big men in school history. Yeah. I mean, people forget just how big and strong that guy was. Right. Um, you know, and, and again, Luke used to bring in quite a few of those guys. And then, unfortunately, in, in many ways, a lot of those guys are now playing tight end or, or fighting UFC, <laughs> frankly. Um, right. But yeah, so I think you, yeah, you can find, you need some strength on the inside, but they still have to be athletic. Right. Um, you know, I think, you know, the two guys who you always wonder if they could just process the game a split second faster were, ironically enough, Ira Lee and, and Dennis Lattimore, who mm. athletically and build-wise were perfect power forwards. Right. They were just always about a half 
you know, split, not even half a quarter second away from fully processing what was going on. And that was the difference between them and Ben Davis and Michael Wright and even a guy like Anthony Cook. Okay, now, um, uh, Sean Seeley. Saguaro grad, by the way, Sean Seeley. Us Cougars stick together around here. Um, with Boswell and Lewis coming in, what does this mean for Kirk Creesa? Here's my opinion on Kirk Creesa. I think Kirk Creesa's grown on me in that he's definitely a kid that wants, that embraces a big moment. Um, he made a lot of big shots this year. He was the guy that he could be 2 of 14, but you know what? Within the last three minutes of a game, he could knock down two threes. What concerns me about him is I don't know that athletically he is necessarily what you need as a final four caliber point guard. And quite frankly, as weird as this is to say, I also don't know that he's a good enough shooter. The shot looks great, but Brad, we got a year and a half uh, uh, sample size now where he's essentially a 34% shooter from the field and 34 from three. Okay. First of all, is he going to be here? That'll right. be his fourth year in the program. Right. Um, so he'll either be a fourth year junior slash senior. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he's worried about minutes, then he probably turns pro and goes to Europe, assuming the situation is good there. We have no idea. Right. Um, there's also the very real possibility that, you know, he's out there with those two guys. Right. Um, you know, we've seen that Tommy Lloyd has no problem playing three guards. Um all three of those guys are fairly big. I think they're all what six three or bigger, if I'm not right. mistaken. Uh, with you know, and I know what Lewis is like six five. Mm-hmm. Um, so he could easily Lewis could easily be the Dallin Terry role because we assume Terry's gone by then. We, you know, if he comes back, he's not going to be here another year after that. Um, we don't know what out. You know, sure you have a Dama Ball, sure you have uh, uh, you know Noel, but again, I don't know. So. I think there's enough minutes to go around if Creaso wants to accept that role. Right. And again, there's no, I think there's pretty close to a guarantee that Boswell and Lewis are as good as advertised, but you never know. One of those guys might have to come off the bench. Right. Um, you know, the, the bigger question is, what does that mean for Larson? What does that mean for ball? What does that mean for Noel? Cause you know, I could see Adama ball. Is he a point guard? He might be, he played it in France. So, I mean, we don't know what he is. Right. Um, so there's a lot, you know, people, a lot of people, we're, we're so spoiled by the, the, the one and done era or even the two and done where a guys fully formed by the end of his freshman year. Look at, you know, even Matherin was a slow starter. We forget there are Solomon Hills and Gabe Yorks and guys who take two or three years. So, you know, by, by the time those two guys get here, it may not be them who chases Kirk Reese off. It may be Adama Ball. Or you know maybe I, someone else, you know, who who knows how good Larson is in three years. You know where I really realized, though, that uh, Tommy Lloyd has big plans for Adama Ball was when you're in the Pac-12 tournament right there and you're in the NCAA tournament and he's trying to find times to sneak him in. Loot would do that in, with guys that he thought like in a year could maybe possibly be that. And again, it's overlooked. You look in the box score, it's three or four minutes, but they would try coaches that have big plans for players generally try to do that towards the end of the year. I'll give you an example. I, and again, I'd love to be wrong on this. I don't really see Shane Noel being a play, uh, uh, a guy here. Um, but it wasn't Shane Noel that he was trying to sneak in at the end of games when it really mattered. It was a Dama ball there, William. But it's not even at the end of games, uh, yeah. you know, using loot as the example, 
Remember when he'd sneak uh, Dickerson in in the first half? Yep, like, exactly. You want to go way back. JT uh, was another example late in that freshman season. You remember, and he didn't stay. He ended up transferring. Do you remember Eddie Curry? Mm-hmm. Played at Marquette. Luke would sneak him at the end of the first half. Did he follow KO to Marquette? Uh, I think he did. Yeah, I think he did. And he ended up being a fringe. I think he played, you know, an hour and a half in the NBA. But uh, he was a guy who, yeah, he'd get that run at the end of games. But all of a sudden, there'd be four minutes left in the second half or in the first half. He'd play, you know, a minute and then come out. But it was a key minute. Right. Um, You know, and it wasn't like what Luke did with Jason Gardner, where, John Ash would come in for a minute because Gardner had played 29 minutes in the first or whatever it was, right. 19 minutes in the first half. These were just to get him out there with the with the uh, four other quality starters, and that's what he's done with Ball. Um, assuming Matherin again, we, I think we have to assume Matherin doesn't come back. Although I think it's interesting that he hasn't said anything yet. Mm-hmm. Ball's in the rotation, and could I see? ball potentially leapfrogging yeah i could and again someone said you know i might want to see creesa off the ball i i don't think that's a bad idea at all creesa you know what creesa reminds me of is a, a more athletic more cocky version of what luke did in the early 90s with the mats i was gonna say with matt offick and matt mulebach where mm-hmm. they were in inter- well frankly kerr and mcmillan were interchangeable uh the mats were interchangeable and to a lesser extent Khalid and Damon were interchangeable. Mm-hmm. Khalid, Khalid played point guard until his, until Damon assumed the role. Right. And then there were many times where if Damon was the hot shooter that game, suddenly Khalid was uh, handling the ball a little bit more. So I could certainly see, you know, and, and Miller experimented with this as well, but the double combo guard or even triple combo guard, because I think Pella Larson is essentially a combo guard. I think Kyer, I mean, that's what they did this year anyways, but I could easily see, all of a sudden you see someone else bringing the ball up and, and Kerr is playing off the ball and being just as, if not more effective. All right. He's William Brad Alice. Follow him on Twitter, WSR Brad. Make sure to check out PHNX, all the best stuff covered all throughout the state. You get a membership, you get a free t-shirt, all kinds of cool stuff there. Hit subscribe on the AZ Wildcats podcast. Brad, if uh, possible, I'd like to do this weekly with you, man. This was awesome. Yeah. You know, Got got some got some time. I, this is my lunch break, so I'm going to go have to, you know, eat while working. But uh, yeah, love doing it. Love being on with you. You know that for sure. All right, for Brad Alice, everybody that contributed, appreciate all of you. We'll be back up with you tomorrow. Uh, spring or uh, spring football game post game show right here on the AZ Wildcats podcast. Oh.